If you'll turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look at a few verses there in God's holy word today, but we're going to start off with a riddle, and you look really smart, I think you're going to get this, so here's the qualifications, if you know the answer, raise your hand, don't shout it out to the end, let other people get it, all right, but we're going to start off with a riddle, and we're feeling generous, so if you win today and today only, we're going to have you buy your lunch, your choice, either Chick-fil-A or Four Rivers today, and today only. So if you're going to get it, you can have one of those two places, enjoy your lunch. But it's a riddle of basically asking the question, who am I? So, all right, you guys ready? Here we go. I'm here, and yet I am still to come, and you're to pray that I come. You're to seek me above all else, but you can't see me. Anybody know yet? Want to raise your hands yet? You should sell everything you have to possess me, to buy me, but I'm not for sale. I'm a present reality and I'm a future blessing. Who knows what it is? Anybody? Howard, what am I talking about? Even so come, Lord Jesus. Yes, even so come, Lord Jesus. But what specifically is it the... Kingdom of God. Let's practice this again. Say it with me. It's the kingdom of God. Listen, I'm here. The kingdom of God is here. And yet I'm to pray it's to come. Pray thy kingdom come, right? You're to seek me above all else. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Yet you can't see me. You should sell everything you have to buy me. It's what in Matthew 13 says. It's a pearl of great price. When you find the kingdom of God, get rid of it all. To make sure you get this, and yet it's not for sale. I'm a present reality, it's here now, and yet it's a future blessing. It's the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Now, you know, again, we don't usually understand much about kingdoms. The kingdom of God, uh, let me give you a, a, a definition of what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Christ, our king, on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, that is what the kingdom of God is. If you want to know it in a nutshell, write that down. What is the kingdom of God? It's the rule. It's the reign of Christ our king on earth as it is in heaven. Now, kings and kingdoms for Americans, this is a really hard thing for us to put our arms around, our minds around. Uh, because why? We believe in democracy. I mean, for Americans, power is given away very conditionally and very temporarily, right? I mean, if, if, we, if we give someone power and we don't like them, well, we're not going to at least vote for them the next time. And if we give someone power and we really don't like them, we might want to try to get them out by impeaching them. I mean, our country in its, in its depths and in the beginning was birthed with an aversion for kings and kingdoms. We, we really are. It's part of our DNA as Americans. We're adverse to kings and kingdoms. If not, if you don't believe me, let's look back to the flag of Virginia. Now, sorry, Florida State fans, we're talking about Virginia today, but, but this is a state, this is a flag of the wonderful state uh, of Virginia. Uh, does anybody know what it means underneath there in the Latin? Thus, Always to tyrants, to all, all tyrants, thus always to tyrants. Now look at a little bit this a little bit closely. What is happening here? You have a king who tried to be on the throne. You see his crown knocked off. 
and you have a woman with a sword over him, standing over him. You know what this means, don't you? If you're an American and you think you're going to set up a kingdom, we're going to send our crazy women after you with swords. They're coming after you, right? They're going to knock off that crown. That's what we think. To Americans, the only king we want may be Elvis, maybe LeBron James. That's kind of the king that we would want. But Jesus came to earth. As a matter of fact, the gospel of Luke, Luke 4 says, for this very reason, I came, Jesus says, to proclaim the good news. Last week, we talked about that good news, right? The gospel. Jesus says, I've come to proclaim the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. As a matter of fact, his nephew, John the Baptist, was a pre-runner of Jesus. And he would say, hey, repent. This kingdom of God, it's here. It's at hand. So he came to set up his kingdom on earth. As he was king in heaven, he came down. A lot of people missed him because he certainly didn't look or act much like a king that they thought about. But he came to set up a kingdom on earth. And he came to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That kingdom is still here. He still came to be that king of all of our lives. So this morning we're going to read uh, actually in the Lord's Prayer when he taught his disciples to pray about that kingdom in Matthew chapter 6. I love it. There's a whole uh, parable about the kingdoms beginning in Gospel of Matthew chapter 13. And throughout scripture, we see that God is our king and this kingdom. So let's hear God's holy and errant word uh, as we read his word. Again, picking up when his disciples ask Jesus how they are to pray. He says this, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that your kingdom has come, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of your son Jesus has come to rule and reign in our hearts and our lives and in this world. Oh Jesus, we long for the day that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know that that day is coming one day, but until that day, may your church, may your people be truly living in submission to Christ as our king and on mission for Christ our king. Father, a king and a kingdom are hard for Americans to understand. So would you come and be teacher? Would you come and open up your word and open up our our ears and our minds to understand? God, give us eyes to see Jesus on a throne. Give us hearts to embrace him as our king over our very lives. God, the things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, contain the good news of the kingdom, 
God, would you use those things to, to make us more like your son, more subjects to your son, that we can serve him with our whole lives. God, the things that I say are wrong are my opinion only. May those things fall away and be forgotten. May you and you alone receive glory. May we receive great joy. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. This morning, we're going to look at three things out of this. Kingdom focus. We're going through our values as a church. Last week, gospel-centered. This week, kingdom focus. What does it mean to be kingdom focused? We're going to look at three things. Living in submission to Christ our King. If you are His, that is your call. To live in submission to Christ your King. To serve on mission for Christ your King. Your life counts wherever you are, whatever God has you doing. We all are supposed to be serving on mission for Christ our King. And then lastly, flourishing. Flourishing for Christ our King. The first one is this, kingdom focus, living in submission to Christ our King. Living in submission to Christ our King is basically saying this, we have to live in submission to his rule and to his reign. Uh, that his will would be done. Let's unpack living in submission to his rule, which is basically living in submission to God's word, God's holy, inerrant word. The psalmist in Psalm 1 would tell us that blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers or stand in the way of, of those who don't know God, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in God's story. It's an incredible story. And on it, he meditates day and night. This is not just God's story. It's become his story. It's his story that he's now living his life as a, as a rescued one from King Jesus. And he lives in submission to the story. It's not just a story to entertain us. It's a story to instruct us. It's a story that we, we live our lives and find our identity and meaning. In Psalm 119, 97 through 105, it's like, it's, it's a delight. God's word is sweet to our taste. You know, we realize that it's all been fulfilled through the life of Christ. All the promises of the Bible are fulfilled and yes, in Christ Jesus. And now God's word is a delight to us. It's a lamp to our feet. It guides us. It leads us. We are to live in submission to God's rule. And what is God's rule? It's his word and spirit. Here's the exhortation. Don't cherry pick God's word. Interesting, even right there out of the state of Virginia, known for Thomas Jefferson. You ever heard of the Jeffersonian Bible? Jefferson, who would say, I don't believe in miracles. I don't believe that much of God's word is, is really inerrant or infallible. Jefferson would say, well, this part of the Bible I'll accept. That part I will not accept. He created his own Bible. Why? Because Jefferson put himself above God's word. He was the interpreter of God's word. He was above to say, this I will embrace, that I won't. I'll create my own Bible. God says, no, we live in submission to God's word. It's a beautiful, mysterious word. Have you read it? Have you gotten into it? We need to live beneath God's word, not over it. Hit pause. The arrogance. Of, of who we are as sinful people, the arrogance of culture, saying it's, it's outdated. It, it, you know what? It doesn't now apply. And we have to read it in the genre that it was written. And there's some apocalyptic language and it uses hyperbole. Uh, and it's not always easily understood in some parts. 
But God has given us his word to rule our lives and our church. And we have to put ourselves under its authority, not over it, not beside it. And let him say, God, you come tell me who you are. If we know God, it's always by revelation. It's by the revelation of creation. It's called general revelation. Scripture says in like Romans 1 that there's no one who has an excuse that doesn't know God just by its creation alone. But he's given us a special revelation that tells us who he is, tells us who we are. And we are to live in submission to his word. That's his rule. But we also live in submission to his reign, which is basically saying, thy will be done. As he taught his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Living in submission to him. Interesting, in the gospel of Luke, and it's in each one of the gospels, in the gospel of Luke in chapter nine, right after Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say I am? And Peter knocks it out of the park. I mean, Peter gets it right this time. Peter, usually the first to speak, the last to usually think, gets it wrong a bunch of times. But Peter says, Jesus, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the promised anointed one. You are the son of the living God. Again, think of that statement. Other people will say, well, you're a good rabbi. You're a good teacher. Maybe you're one of the prophets, Jeremiah, Elijah, somebody like that. But no, no, no. Peter gets it right. You're it. You're the one we long for. You're the one we hope for. And in that, he says, blessed are you, Peter. Man, you didn't get this from man. You got this from God himself. And he goes on to say what it's going to be like to be a disciple. And he said to all of them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world or forfeits his very self? Living in submission to his reign is to say, thy will be done. Here's what it said in there. You got to deny yourself. God made you for something bigger than you. God made you for something bigger than your little life and your little world. You're too marvelous of a creation of his just to live for your little life. He made you for himself and for his kingdom. And for that reality, you got to deny yourself. It's not about you at the center. It's about Jesus at the center, right? It's, it's about his will, his needs, his, his name, his glory. So he says, Ellison, if you want to be my disciple, I love that Jesus is clear on this. It starts with denying you. You can't be Savior. You can't be Lord. Your life is owned by another. It's purchased with the blood of Christ. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. What was a cross? It was a Roman execution reality. I mean, so what does he say? Pick up your cross. He's saying you got to deny yourself. You got to die to yourself. You got to not only deny, you got to die to yourself. And you have to do it daily. <laughs> Those of us who have the privilege of walking for Jesus for a long time, you know that's a daily thing. Because boy, are sheep dumb who are prone to wander. Is it not true of all of us? Do we not just wander away? He says, every day come to the reality that you are not the center of the world and universe. Every day come to the reality that there is one named Jesus who's above all. And put him on the throne every day. And what does that look like? Denying yourself, dying to yourself, and living for him, living in submission to his rule and his reign, his kingdom come. 
We don't try, we, we do try, but we shouldn't bend God to our will. We are to submit to his will. Thy will be done. Think about your prayers. Are your prayers trying to get God in a headlock and say, submit to me? Come on, God, bless my wish list. Or is our prayers open-fisted saying, God, you are king of kings. You are Lord of lords. I am yours. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't always understand it. It's a mysterious will. It's going to drag us to some amazing good and low places at times. But it's always for his glory and our good. Don't try to bend him to his, uh, our, bend God to our will. His will be done. Living in submission to Christ our King. Secondly, kingdom focus is serving on mission for Christ our King. God's kingdom has come and God's kingdom advances. You ready for, that, for this? Through us, through the church. Through us. You know what we are, according to scripture? We are a colony of heaven on earth. We really are. Think about this. We're the place where God's spirit dwells. We're the place where God's rule is to be observed. We are it. We are the place where God and man meet together on earth right now. We're the colony of heaven on earth. Peter will say we should be strangers and foreigners because you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And now he's going to advance his kingdom through us, that colony of heaven on earth. And how do we do that? We serve him on mission for Christ our King. We serve for Jesus' name and his kingdom. That is our ultimate purpose in life. I love this. We are two things. We are both the message of the kingdom and we are the messengers of the kingdom. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21 is a part of scripture that you just need to continually go back to and, and look to. It's absolutely incredible about what he tells us of who we are. It says this in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, meaning that you've come to Jesus and embrace him as your Lord and Savior, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. John would call this being born again. He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ, watch this, he reconciled us sinners to himself, reconciled to God, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, Jesus Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are his ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be in submission to him. Be on mission for him. And here's the gospel in one verse so beautifully. For our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are the message of the kingdom. Why? Because we've been reconciled to God in Christ Jesus. We have peace with God right now in Christ, through the blood of Christ. I don't know what your life and your mirror tells you. I don't know what you're still wrestling with. But if you're his, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you got peace with God. It's been reconciled. It's been done. He did pay it all. And we now are the message. Look at us. This is a broken lot, messed up people. 
really, really needy. That's all of us. But we've been reconciled to God. We have peace with God. Live your life as a message of God, that God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ Jesus. Not only are we the message, look what God has done for sinners like us. We are the messengers. He says, now you're my ambassadors. An ambassador for a kingdom represents him, speaks as if the king is speaking. And that is now our lives. We are to tell the world in word and deed of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We go as his messengers, reconciled and telling the world everywhere we go about Jesus. How do we do it? Well, live your life, you, in love with Christ Jesus under his rule and reign. It kind of follows a pattern of creation. We should bring light into darkness. There's plenty around inside and outside. Bring light into the world. You should bring order into the chaos all around you. Bring God's word. Bring his rule, his reign. You should bring beauty into the void. That's what God is have us here for. All for him in word and deed. We are to live in submission to Christ our King. On mission for Christ our King. And lastly, flourishing for Christ our King. How do we flourish for Jesus? We seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Antithetical. You want to really live? Deny yourself. You want to really have joy? Seek Jesus. You want to know what it's all about? Seek him first. I used to live my life always thinking I had to get my priorities right. You know, Jesus, family, work, and all that stuff. I always, it was always very linear to me. But I don't think it's linear. I think it's in every aspect of your life the kingdom needs to be first. He needs to be first at home. He needs to be first in the work. Everywhere you go, seek first the kingdom. It's not just like, hey, I got my God part of my life. Do that on Sunday. Do that a couple times. God has to be a part of every moment of your life, of seeking him first. And as we seek him first, we flourish. Why? Because we were made for him. We were not just made for ourselves in this world. We flourish when we're pursuing after him. That is the best life is the obedient life, the life laid down for him. Remember, God created us for so much more than living the little kingdoms of our lives. He's made us for so much more than the broken kingdoms of this world. Seeking Christ and his kingdom equals flourishing. And so that's the reality of what we long for at this church. We're going through the values. I want to tell you, our vision for King's Chapel is this. Our vision is Christ's kingdom more fully visible. Remember, it's here and Christ's church more clearly beautiful, we are beautiful in Christ Jesus, in the northern suburbs of Orlando, Central Florida, and beyond. So what's our mission? If that's what we see, how do we accomplish that? Our mission, very simply, living in submission to Christ our King, serving on mission for Christ our King. How is it with you this morning? Do you know Jesus as your King? Are you living your life in submission to Him as your King? Are you serving for Jesus as your king. But before you do, remember the gospel. Christ our king, the creator of the eternal word of the universe, he submitted to his father's will and he executed the greatest mission ever. He rescued sinners like us and he brought us into his family. What an incredible mission. What an incredible accomplishment that he won for us through his life, death, and resurrection. We have a meal this morning to remember the mission. As we take this meal and remember the cost of the mission, we look back, we realize, wow, this cost Jesus his life. 
When we take this meal, it's to remember the hope of the mission. We look forward to the day that he is with us. When we take this meal, we remember the consequence of the mission, that now we are forgiven, loved, and his. It's a meal specifically for those who have been rescued. It's a meal for those who believe in this reality. And so to lead us into communion and to prepare our hearts um, as King's Chapel's Board of Directors comes forward. Let us together say in unison this Apostles' Creed that has been cited through the years. If you can say this with integrity, this meal is for you, and that's good news. Let's say the Apostles' Creed together for, uh, if you are able. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.